I want to I want you to turn if you would to Luke chapter 19 Luke chapter 19 verse 1 Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy and he wanted to see who Jesus was but because he was short he could not see over the crowd he must have been Italian actually southern Italian so he ran ahead and climbed the sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way and when Jesus reached the spot he looked up and said to him Zacchaeus come down immediately I must stay at your house today so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly it's a great story Zacchaeus is a tax collector, and, and in those days, tax collectors were the spies. Well, I'm not sure it was only in those days. But anyway, uh, in those days, they were the IRS. Unfortunately, many of them were very crooked, and they would shake people down. They were kind of a, a mixture between the IRS and the mafia. And they would basically shake people down and take more than they were supposed to take. And Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. You know, he was over a lot of other tax collectors. And so he was totally despised by the Jews. But Zacchaeus finds out. Now, now notice he's also a Jew, though. It's really important. Uh, so that's why he's even more despised by the Jews, because he's a Jew, and he's really working for the Roman government, and the Romans were despised, and what Zacchaeus was doing was despised. So he was an outcast in his own community. But he heard that Jesus was coming to down. He heard that, that Jesus was going to be in his village, and because he was a short dude, there was so many people who were such a great crowd that he wanted to see Jesus and he did whatever he had to do to see Jesus and this morning my prayer for us is that we would do whatever it takes to clearly see the Jesus of Christmas now I want you to know I, I love I love the holidays I love Christmas man it's one of my favorite times of the the whole year is Christmas I love Easter I love Christmas I love Christmas because it's a time when my family comes to town. It's a time when we can celebrate together. It's, it's a time in which we can, you know, rejoice and sing and see all the lights. And it's, it's just a beautiful time. And now that I have two granddaughters, I know, tell me, you don't look old enough to have granddaughters. Please help me out. Help me out. But I've got two granddaughters. Ellie is going to be three years old on January the 26th, and she reminds me of that every day. And then Kyrie, my little Kyrie, she's four months old, and I've never seen a baby smile so much in her life. And, and it is a beautiful thing to see as we celebrate the joys of Christmas as a family. I love all the lights. I love them on the trees. I love them on the houses. I love the colors, so many colors, so many sounds. Don't you love the sounds of Christmas? Christmas, then I love the smell of Christmas. I love the smell of Christmas, man. Walking into the house and my and my wife is making bacala. Oh, bacala. For you Spanish people, it's bacalao. Huh? Come on. You just draw it out a little bit more. I understand, right? It's codfish, and it is amazing. And the scungili and the galamad. And oh, I'm getting hungry right now. Somebody else preach for me. I gotta go home and eat. 
Man, I love the smells and tastes. I love the colors. I love the lights. I love the joy. I love the singing. I love the singing. You know, one songwriter said it's the most wonderful time of the year, right? And it is. It's so wonderful. It's so good. And, you know, I'm even getting a little used to now. You know, I've been really uh, growing up as a kid and even, you know, as an adult, as a, as, as a, as a believer, you know, I was kind of like Jesus has to be the total center of Christmas. So I had a problem. Problem, a little issue with Santa Claus, but you know, I'm, I'm learning, you know, like, yeah, he's fun trying to teach my granddaughters and my children that he's make believe, but Jesus is the real center of all that we do, you know, and all of that stuff. But I enjoy, I enjoy Christmas, I enjoy the time that we have together uh, as families, even, even the church family. I love to, to go Christmas caroling, bring joy to people's hearts, and, and all of the these spectacular displays and decorations that compete for our attention can can be beautiful and uplifting but if if that's all that we we see then we're missing something that is really 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 important in all of our lives something despite our best intentions sometimes we become so preoccupied with the responsibilities and the commitments and and the stress of the many tasks around Christmas that we fail to see with our hearts, which is really the essential part of why we celebrate Christmas. And the truth is, even though uh, even the people in, in Jesus' time, even though Jesus came and he was right before them, the Bible said in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And even though Jesus came to his own. The Bible says they could not see the light. John said the light came into the world, but they could not see the light. He said he came and he was filled with glory and power and truth and grace, but but they could not see him. Did you ever wonder why they couldn't see Jesus? You know, to most people, you would have thought, wow, he did all these incredible miracles. You know, they must really have been blind not to see how powerful Jesus was. In fact, on one occasion, Jesus says to his disciples, who do you say that people say that I am? And some of them said, well, some people say you're John the Baptist, and uh, some people say that you're, 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 you're a prophet. Some people say that you're Jeremiah again. Some people say that you're Isaiah. Some people say you're another prophet, that you've come back again to, to prophesy. And, 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 and Peter says, no, 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 I know who you are. You are the Messiah. You are the son of God. And Jesus said, Peter, you are blessed. Why? Because no man has made this known to you, but it's a revelation from the Holy Spirit. It's a revelation from my Father. And my prayer for you this morning, wherever you are, maybe you're in the cafe, maybe you're in the overflow, maybe you're watching via live stream today, wherever you are, maybe you're going to watch this later on, is that you would receive again a fresh new revelation of him. That you would see him in his glory, in his power, and in his might. 
The question is, why couldn't they not see him for who he was? He was right there. He was the creator of the world. He was the Lord of glory. He was the king of kings. He was the, the great I am. And, and how is it that they could not see that? How is it that they could not experience that? How is it that they could not see his glory? Why couldn't they see it? Maybe it was because Jesus was born in a manger. And he was surrounded by ordinary animals. And he was raised in the ghetto town of Nazareth. And many people said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? He wasn't trained or educated in the best schools. And he wasn't trained in the worldly philosophies and sciences and literature of his day. Many questioned, though, where did this knowledge come from? He's got such knowledge and authority. Isn't he just the son of a carpenter? And doesn't he live in Nazareth? And isn't our, his brothers and sisters with us right now? What is it about him, the sophisticated, the proud, and the arrogant, who place their trust in worldly learning and the philosophies of men? Could not see him. He didn't hold any political office. He lived and taught among the poor and the needy and the desperate. You never found him trying to get his name on a billboard. And at first the Romans didn't even know who he was. Why? Because they were, they were busy running the world. And yet the one who created the world, the one who holds the world together, they could not see him. And when, when Jesus stood before Pilate, when Jesus stood before the rulers of his day, they could not see his glory. The glory that came from the Father, they could not see the wisdom that was reserved only for those that had a hungry heart. They couldn't see the transformative power that was only reserved for the poor in spirit. They could not see the eternal authority that came from his sovereign rule before the world was ever created. The wealthy and the powerful who were more concerned about how man saw them could not see him. Then there was the religious leaders. The, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they were looking for the Messiah. They studied the scriptures. They, they searched diligently to see, but they could not see. They missed him. They missed the day of their visitation. They missed the Messiah. They could not see him, for their eyes were blinded by their religious, self-righteous acts and their desire to be seen rather than to really see. And all these people, they missed him. And, this, and the truth is sometimes when, when we read about how they missed Jesus, how all of them could not see Jesus, the truth is so often we wonder, how is it that they could have been so blind? But the truth is sometimes we who pride ourselves in knowing him, in knowing him, we who pride ourselves in being enlightened now can actually miss really seeing him. Those who are born-again Christians who, who've come into a, a faith knowing that we're saved by grace and grace alone, we can't work for it, we can't earn it, we can't be religious enough, we can't be righteous enough, we can't do enough good works, sometimes we too really miss experiencing him. In fact, Jesus says in the book of Revelation to the church, not to unbelievers, but to the church, he said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man would open the door, I will come in and fellowship with them. He said, you have lost your first love. He said, even though I'm all around you and the knowledge of God is all around you, yet 
you are really doing a lot of good things and you're celebrating a lot, but you, you're really missing me. You're, you're missing experiencing me, really, truly understanding me. Because sometimes the truth is I get so distracted with good things. Good things. It's good, man. Christmas, the season is awesome. The celebration is awesome. Being with my kids and my grandchildren, awesome. Being with you, awesome. Having a good time is a great thing. It's a good thing. But the truth is sometimes we miss him, the real reason for Christmas. And my prayer this morning for all of us in this room, including myself, is that we would see him again. That we would experience him again in a fresh and new way. Because the truth is, after the gifts are unpacked and the tree is put away and the parties are finished and the celebration dies down and Santa goes back to the North Pole and his elves go on unemployment till November. And after the singing stops, we'll be left with one thing, the reality that only Jesus can save. The reality that only Jesus can heal a brokenhearted person. The reality that only Jesus can give us eternal security. The reality that only Jesus can set us free from our addictions. The reality that only Jesus is going to walk with us in the most difficult times of our life. The reality that Jesus is the reality of everything that we know about Christmas. Come on, somebody help me out today and say, yes, it's about Jesus. Only Jesus. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and that life more abundantly. That's, that's what makes Christmas, the celebration of the mass of the Christ child. Christmas, the mass of the Christ child. That's what makes Christmas a celebration of Jesus. And that's what makes it so wonderful. After all, Jesus is the only almighty one who is and was and always will be. He's the alpha and the... And, and the Omega, he's the beginning and the end. He's the only true advocate for you and I. The Bible says, my dear children, I write to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He's the only author and perfecter of our faith. He started our faith. He will finish our faith. That's why we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God on his throne. He's the only authority over all things. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He's the only real bread of life that will ultimately satisfy our soul, feed our spirit. He is the manna from heaven that comes and builds us and, and helps us and nourishes our soul, our body, and our spirit. He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty again. He's the only beloved son of God as the father said this is my son in whom I am well pleased as the writer of Hebrews said in the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times in many various ways but in these days he has spoken to us by his son 
whom he has appointed heir over all things and through whom he also made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he has provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to whom did the angels ever say, you are my son, Today I have become your father. Or again, I will be your father, and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. In speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels serving spirits and his servants flames of fire. But about the son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. Hallelujah. He, he's the only bridegroom that's coming back for his bride. After this, I looked and saw a multitude too large to count from every nation and tribe and people and tongue standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in the hand. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. My friend, Jesus is the bridegroom who's coming again. He's coming for his bride that's without spot or wrinkle. He's the one who came first as a baby he's coming as a reigning ruling king the next time he comes then I saw heaven open and behold the white horse the one sitting on it was called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war his eyes are like a flame of fire and on his head are many diadems and he has a name written that no one else knows but himself he is clothed in a robe dipped in blood and the name which he is called is the word of God and the armies of heaven arrayed in linen white and pure were following him on white horses and from his mouth came the sharp sword with which to strike down the nations he will rule them with a rod of iron and tread the winepress with fury and the wrath of God Almighty on his robe and on his thigh was the name King of King and Lord of Lord he's the only chief cornerstone the Jews rejected him. The Romans crucified him. The ph philosophers laughed at him. The sinners mocked him. And the wicked rebelled against him. But he is still the chief cornerstone of society. He said the stone which the builders rejected became the chief cornerstone. He's the only true deliverer. As Paul said, as we wait for the Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. He's the only true, true vine. He's the only true one that we can truly trust in at all times. He's the faithful and true one. He said, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider was called faithful and true. He's the only good shepherd and I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Though I should walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. He is always with 
with me. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Why? Because he is the good shepherd and he always loves me. He always cares for me. He provides for me every single thing that I need. He gives me what I need in the morning. He gives me what I need in the evening. He gives me what I need when I'm thirsty and when I'm hungry. He feeds my soul. He feeds my spirit. He feeds my mind. He is the one who's there. He'll always be there because he's the shepherd that never leaves his sheep. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He's our only great high priest. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. Only his blood was acceptable. Only his sacrifice was redeemable. Only his body was enough. Only his atonement was recognized by the Father. Only his work on the cross was finished once and for all. He's the only one who is the head of the church. And he put all things under his feet, the Bible says, and gave him head over all things. Friends, I'm not the head of the church. You are not the head of the church. The Pope is not the head of the church. Jesus is the head of his church. And he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Why? Because he bought it. He redeemed it. He rescued it. He keeps the church. He built the church and he's going to build the church upon a solid rock. It's the foundation that he gives us and it's a strong foundation. He is the one who comes to bring the church to life. He's the only I am. I love that. Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the resurrection. I am the life. I was dead, but I am now alive. I am the bright and morning star. I am that I am. Before Abraham was, I always was. I always will be. He is the great I am. Did you ever wonder why he says he's the great I am? Because he is. He always will be. He's the self-sustaining one. No one created him. No one ever can take away from him. He is God. He is fully God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Bible tells us by him and through him and for him all things were created. He's the only Emmanuel. Isaiah 7:14 says, She will give birth to a son and call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. In the beginning was the Word. He was both God and He was man. And God is with us. God is with me in the valley. God is with me in the fire. God is with me in the pain. God is with me in the suffering. God is with me in my sorrows. God is with me in my battles. God is with me because He promises me that He'll never leave me nor forsake me. Glory to God. He is the one who always is, always will be and he's with us today he's with you right now no matter what you're going through in your life you might feel like God it's too much Lord God I want you to know nothing is too much for a God who walk with you through any situation in your life God is with us come on everybody say God is with us God is with me He's the only indescribable gift that Paul refers to in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Thanks be to God for his 
indescribable gift. He's the gift that comes only through grace. The gift that is not determined whether you're naughty or nice. The gift that keeps on giving all year long. The gift that can never grow old. Hallelujah. The gift that you don't have to ever exchange. The gift that is offered to everyone, everywhere, at all times, through every season, through every time, throughout every country, for every woman, child, and man. It is a wonderful gift. What a gift God has given us. It's so unexplainable. It's so glorious. It's so magnificent. It's so lofty. It is so profound that Paul the Apostle said it is the indescribable gift of the Son of God who was God, who came and made himself a man and lived on this world for 33 years and then died on the cross and rose on the third day. Paul says, I can't explain it. You're never going to really understand it, but all I can tell you, it is the gift of God's grace and it's indescribable. Hallelujah. Say, thank God for his indescribable gift, the Son of God. Listen, if you could understand him, if you can understand all of how Jesus is both Son of God and God the Son, then you would be God. And friend, turn to your neighbor right now and say, you're definitely not God. Hallelujah. He's the only wise, just, and righteous judge. He is the one whom God appointed a judge of the living and the dead. And one day, every person will stand before the throne of the King of Kings. And every person will give an account for all they have done. You might wonder, where is God's justice in this world? You might wonder, why does God allow pain and suffering? Friend, I want to tell you, God allows all of that because we all have a free will. And the Bible says that Jesus is going to judge, but he waits. He is waiting, as the Bible says, the Lord is not slow in his promises to judge the world, but he's waiting. You know what he's waiting for? He's waiting for somebody in this room to come into a covenant relationship with him so that they might have eternal life. The Bible says God is not slow in his promises towards us, but he's patient and long-suffering, not wanting that any should perish, but that all should come to eternal life. He's the only king of kings. Kings have come and kings have gone. Kings have ruled and kings have been deposed. Kings have made great boast and have vanished from the earth. But King Jesus, born in a manger, lived as a man, died as a criminal, rose like a reigning warrior, is king of kings and lord of lords. Throughout all the centuries, throughout all the years, Jesus still is worshipped. Jesus is still loved. Jesus is still adored. Think about that for a moment, friends. You know, I, I often say this, but I, I went to Italy two years ago, and I stood in the Colosseum in the same place where Christians were martyred, in the same place where Christians were used and abused, where the blood of the martyrs was spilled out in that Colosseum, where the Roman emperors would come and, and they, would, they would force the people to call them gods and deities, and they are all dead. They are all gone. But I went into that same Colosseum, and there is a large cross in the middle of the Colosseum. And this Jesus, who died as a common criminal, who died on the cross, is, is now prevailing all over Rome. And there's a cross that declares that you can hang him on the cross, but you can't keep him in the grave. Why? Because he's king of kings, and he's lord of lords. Come on, somebody give the Lord a clap offering. Say, you are king of kings. You are the lord of lords. Hallelujah! 
He's the only Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's the only light in this darkened world that keeps on shining long after the lights are off on the trees. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have light. That light comes from my life. He's the only true lion king of the tribe of Judah. Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. He's the only Lord of lords. He's the only mediator between God and man. For there is only one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. He's the only Messiah. We have found, they declared, the Messiah that is the Christ. He's the only mighty one who's mighty to save. Then you will know that I, the Lord, am your Savior, your Redeemer, the mighty one of Jacob. He's the only one who sets free. So you will know the Son, and the Son will set you free. He's our only hope. Christ Jesus, the hope of the world. He's the only true peace, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups into one, destroying the barrier and the dividing wall of hostility. He is the one and only true prophet, priest, and king. He's the only redeemer of mankind. And as for me, I know, Job said, my redeemer lives, and at the last he will take a stand on the earth. He's the only risen Lord. Friend, I want to make it clear to you, Muhammad is dead, and he's buried in the grave. Hare Krishna is dead and buried in the grave. All of those who claim to be great prophets are dead and buried in the grave. But Jesus, he's not there. He is risen again. Hallelujah. He's the risen Savior and the risen Lord. He's the only rock that never rose, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. He's the rock, and that rock was Christ. He is our sure foundation. He is our firm foundation. He is our reliable foundation. You can build your life on him. You can build your marriage on him. You can build your home on him. We can build a church on him. Why? Because he's going to build his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Why can you build your life on him? Because he's reliable, because he's dependable, because he's trustworthy. He is constant. He's unswerving. He's trustworthy. He's unfailing. He is faithful and he's altogether the same yesterday, today, and forever. Come on, somebody. Tell me, tell your neighbor right now, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. He's our savior that can save to the uttermost. He's our only perfect Son of man, the Son of man came to seek to save that which is lost. He's the only Son that of the Most High. He will be great and we be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him his throne, the throne of his father David. He's the only supreme creator of all things. By him, everything was created both in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things are held together. That's how Paul describes who Jesus is. He's the only resurrection and the life. He's the only door that leads to eternal life. I am the door, Jesus said. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find 
safe pasture. He's the only way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man goes to the Father but through me. He's the only everlasting, infallible, inerrant word of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God, and the word became flesh. He is the perfect word. He is the refined, fired up word. He is the steadfast, always on time word. He is the word that heals us. He is the word that delivers us. He is the word that transforms us. He's the word that restores us. He's the word that comforts us. He's the word that leads us and guides us. He's the word that corrects us. He's the word that convicts us. He's the word that refreshes us. And he's the word that renews us. Come on. He is the word that never changes. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will never change. He's the only true vine. He said, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. He produces much fruit through us and in us. He gives us life every day. Without the vine, we are just dead and ready to be burned in the fire. Without the vine, we have no reason, no purpose, no source of life, and no fruitfulness in our life. But with the vine, we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength, who sustains us every moment, every day, every second of our life. Come on, somebody. Thank the Lord for God is the vine. Glory to God. He's the only truth. Every other philosophy apart from Jesus is a lie, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He's the only victorious one who conquered sin, death, and the grave. To him who is victorious, I will give the right to sit at my right hand, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. And he is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, and the only prince of peace. For unto us... A child is born, and a son is given, and the government will rest upon his shoulder. I hate to tell you, Mr. President, whoever you are and whoever you will be, only Jesus is the one whom the governments will rest upon. Glory to God. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace and my friend that's why christmas is so glorious that's why christmas is so majestic that's why this is the season to celebrate the splendor of the holy days this is a pageant of moments of Christ coming into this world and giving us new birth. It is a joyful time. It is joy that we can sing. Why? Because we know that we know that Christ is the reason for the season. That's why we sing. That's why we celebrate. That's why we adore on bended knees. That's why we can say we've got hope in the midst of difficult times. That's why we can sing in the midnight hour. That's why we can have peace when the world doesn't know why, doesn't know how to get it doesn't understand why we have it we've got peace that passes all understanding we've got joy that's unspeakable and full of glory we've got strength and security we've got hope in the midst of whatever situation that happens in our life because of Jesus he came into this world and because of Jesus because he died and rose again and he's with us today we can celebrate Christmas hallelujah The minor prophet Micah, he declares in scripture, he's a contemporary of Isaiah and he's a contemporary of Jeremiah. And if you know anything about Micah, Micah is prophesying in a time when the people of Israel were going into captivity 
because of the Babylonians came in and destroyed all of Jerusalem. And Micah is trying to encourage the people of Israel. And Micah declares, out of Bethlehem will come one who's going forth is from ancient times. And Micah declares in Micah chapter 4, as the worship team comes, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and the peoples will stream to it. And many nations will come and say, come let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Jesus will bring unity to the world. Jesus will bring unity to his church. And he will judge between many peoples and will settle disputes from strong nations far and wide. And they, listen, will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations will not take up sword against nation, nor they'll be, they will train for war anymore. Jesus will bring lasting peace into this world. And everyone will sit under their own vine and under their own fig tree, and no one will make them afraid, for the Lord Almighty has spoken. Jesus will bring eternal security. Friend, I want to tell you today, only Jesus can give you peace. I know that you can try to find peace in all different ways, but only Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace, can truly give you peace with him. And the truth is, until you have peace with him, you cannot have peace within. Jesus is the only one that can give you peace that passes all understanding, that will keep you peaceful in the midst of the darkest times of your life. Jesus is the only one who can give you eternal security. For Jesus is the one who secured your eternal destiny. And the Bible tells us, that Jesus will be our security and that we will sit under our trees, the fig tree, symbolizing fruitfulness and not be afraid because fear is not of God. And maybe you're here today and you're filled with anxiety. What's going to happen in the future? You're afraid. I want you to know the Prince of Peace will come and give you lasting security. And only Jesus is worthy of honor and glory and praise. So let me ask you a question today. Do you know him? Do you really know him? Do you really know how holy that night really was? It was the night when God became man. It was the night when Jesus was born. And only Jesus can give lasting peace. Are you looking for peace today? Are you looking for freedom? Are you looking for security? Are you looking for something that will truly feed your soul? Only Jesus can bring us what we need. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Only Jesus is worthy to be worshipped.